Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Hey, welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in recovery that also has a job. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And I am Caroline. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. All right. So today we're going to talk about work in recovery. That is the overarching theme. And I think the goal is sort of to start out with the idea of like, how do you find work and what limitations do we have for what kind of jobs we can do once we're in recovery since we have this past of, you know, addiction? And, and also, how do you find uh, what you're supposed to do, right? Like, I, I want to say calling, but I know that's not everybody's belief <laughs> system. And I, I do think that ties into it, right? Well, how you perceive the world is a little bit tied into how you view where you're supposed to go and work. Um, and then from there, you know, eventually, whether it's on this episode or part two of this episode, it's going to be, how do we take our recovery into our work lives? And what does that look like as well? Um, so I, I think maybe do we, do we start with the idea of like, how do we perceive the world? Because I definitely today am a guy who believes in like sort of a calling kind of thing or a work soulmate. Yes, I believe in a work soulmate. No, but I I think when I get in tune with me through the process of recovery, I start to realize what I want and what I don't want. And maybe that is just to a a small extent like, oh, well, these are the kinds of things I want in my job, right? I want them to not be looking over my shoulder every moment. I want to just have clear laid out plans. I don't want too much pressure or responsibility. Like maybe we just know that. Or maybe it's, oh, I feel especially like my life would be more purposeful if I did this line of work in particular. Um, But I didn't always believe that in my recovery. So that's like not, uh, that hasn't been around since day one. That's that's more of a newer thing for me. So my immediate thought to that is, and this is going to be terrible to say, but how many people you know, get into recovery and then they're like, I'm going to get into helping people and I'm going to be a counselor or treatment person or work at a rehab. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't tend to work out well, I don't think. Which is interesting because you would think like that fits right in line with the goals of recovery, right? Is that we feel better about ourselves when we help people? Well, and that became my sort of, when you first brought this up, of became my thing is like, well, I think for some people... For a lot of people, when something you love becomes your means of making a living mm. or your job, like it gets corrupted in some way. Yeah, I I remember hearing somebody say, what I do for a living is stay clean. What I do for money is something else way the fuck over there. And if hmm. I ever get that confused, I'm going to have a big problem. And that's probably more my approach to things. I don't necessarily know that that means we couldn't be in a helping profession, right? I, I think it's just keeping those things clear. Like this is my, my recovery is what I do for a living, right? Like that's what I need to do. My job and how I make money 
yeah, I, I might like this line of work, but I need to pay attention because if this line of work starts feeling unhealthy for me, then I need to do some other kind of line of work, right? That, that's not the important part. Like I'll make money and, and, and this guy in particular happened to be talking about, he had all these sponsees that made more and, you know, got more back in taxes than he's ever made in a year or whatever. Like he's like, but none of them stay clean. Right. And what's up with that? Yeah, I think uh, that kind of comes back to like how much value you're placing on on money and and not so much what you're doing, but what is what is your ultimate motivation? I think with the recovery thing, I th- <laughs> it does seem to be everybody's default, like at around three or four months clean, where they're like, I want to go into addictions treatment. I <laughs> and uh, I did a little variation of that, right? So when I got, I went back to college or I went to college with with four months clean. Um, decided to major in psychology, but I wanted to go into addictions research Mm. because I think I knew myself enough, even at that point, that I am not really, um, I'm not really a people person. So like (laughs) therapy was never really like something that was going to, but I did want to, you know, kind of dig into the the why and the how. Um, I think the struggle with going into counseling addiction counseling that i've seen is that people really have a hard time drawing the line and mm-hmm. they start to get to a point where they're like oh well you know i'm sitting in these meetings all day talking about recovery so i don't need to go to a meeting tonight because i've been doing that all day and they start to kind of think their 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 career is filling that recovery hole as well and that seems to go poorly um and, and, and that could be dangerous. Like it, what, so what I'm picturing, and, and I can't say I haven't kind of fallen into this myself at some times, right? They're the senior member in these groups that they're running or the meetings that they're going to with all these new people. And so they're espousing this great information and all this, but they're not going anywhere to get any other information from people that can help them, right? So in some ways it works because I think when we teach others, we teach ourselves more and re-ingrain it, right? But at the same time, for me, and this happens like, oh, I hit my home group every week. Well, when do you hit extra meetings? Well, every once in a while when I'm asked to share and hear my own shit, right? <laughs> and then it becomes, oh, I, I get a little less teachable in that place because all of a sudden I'm the one who's got all the information all the time and it's not about anybody else's information. Yeah. Right. And what well, what happens when your career is so tightly tied to your recovery too? Like what, what happens when you're an addictions counselor, but you relapse, you have a slip. What does that mean for your career? And do you feel like you have mm-hmm. to, like in that instance, your, your recovery is probably already known, right? Amongst your, your coworkers, your employers. So then do you have to disclose that? Does that result in a demotion? Because personally you had a slip up like i just <laughs> how do you get demoted in addictions counseling <laughs> right. you can't counsel people who have more than two weeks clean <laughs> you can only counsel the guys walking in the door still you know detoxing what i will say is that knowing i sponsored a guy who worked in you know addiction stuff and he would tell me that for him it got to be just it was overwhelming to all day talk to people about addiction and how it's fucking up their lives and what they're doing and all this stuff and then want to like do that for eight hours a day and then go home and have dinner and then go out to a meeting and hear about addiction for another hour and a half and it just he felt overrun with hearing talk about addiction like Mm. it was just like this is fucking too much for my head i don't want to go to meetings anymore yeah, I worked at a treatment center when I had about a year clean as like a tech, not not 
not as a counselor. Well, that's not, what most people end yeah. up as a tech or somebody at a rehab or in a peer role. Right. And not ever with the intention of that being like my long term career goal, just as like a job while I was in school. And um, I liked it. Um, I did end up. <laughs> I, I I did end up changing from that job after probably a year and a half, two years clean, uh, to going into nannying, and I would tell people, "Oh, I, it's the same job. I just make more now, <laughs> right? Like I'm just I'm babysitting." babysitting. babysitting. <laughs> um, and I didn't find it to be overly, t- but again, I wasn't a counselor. I was I was a babysitter, so. Um, I think it's the the counseling part that has the higher higher burnout rate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know people that it's worked for, but I also know a lot of people that were counselors, addictions counselors, or whatever. I know there's a lot of different qualifications that have gotten out of the field um, because it it was too much. And certainly, then obviously, also know or know of the people that were counselors and then started using and had to get out of that field because. The right. two don't really mesh. I mean, for me, like if I start using, like I'm not working anyway. Like that's my story, right? Like I don't, I don't hold a productive job when I'm getting high. But there are a lot of people who can. Yeah, I always did. Yeah, I, I was not that. No. <laughs> what do you think a sponsor's role in guiding someone is? Because I remember having this exact same three to four month. I want to be a counselor. I want to help people. Right. And my sponsor kind of shit all over the idea. And like, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I ain't doing that. <laughs> and and I don't know if that was for the good or the bad, if I could have handled that kind of stuff at that point in time. But I, I really, I've always questioned that. I'm like, damn, do we really, do we want to shit on people's? I would say no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But I... what if we know better? <laughs> what was that? What if we know better? <laughs> I think there's a way to... Try to get your your sponsees to think through. So one of the things that I've done, I actually have a sponsee right now who is literally in school to become an addictions counselor and uh, working in Don't the field. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the recommendations that I made to her was to talk to some people who are in the field and have been in the field for a while. And I actually connected her with a few friends, some that are currently working in the field, some that have gotten out of it after working in the field, just so she could get some perspective from people who have that experience. Cause like, right. Like I, I have my opinions and I have no, I ha- I know what I've seen, but like, I'm not, I'm not the person to tell someone, yes, this is a good choice for you or it's not. Um, but certainly someone who's working in the field or has worked in the field has some personal firsthand experience that they can share. So that was kind of my, I, I always want people to explore what's best for them. It's not my decision. It's not my my place to to tell them what's best for them. Yeah, so, I would challenge whether your sponsor at the time ever worked in treatment or had that experience. Yeah, I I think he might have actually. But the the interesting thing was just thinking back to another situation that happened with a sponsee brother and his girlfriend. They were getting ready to like move in together. Didn't really make enough money to move in together. Weren't really even on good terms. And, and like I kind of when he 
presented the idea to me, to my sponsee brother. I was like, ah, dude, I don't know if that's a good idea or whatever. And my sponsor got wind of what I said. And he was like, why would you shit on his dreams? Like, let him try it out and figure it <laughs> that out. That same like, sponsor? Yes. You shit on my dreams. <laughs> I was like, I do it because of you, sponsor. Uh, like, well, I think there's also a big difference between a friend saying something to a friend and a sponsor saying something to a sponsee. Mm. Like, I think you have, there's a lot more... Um, there's a lot more value placed in something that your sponsor tells you versus your friends, right, as peers. So you have to be even more careful as a sponsor what what you're saying because of that inherent kind of almost position of power that you hold, I think. And that's tricky because all my sponsors have either ended up or already been friends. Like we've already been friends or, or we ended up as friends. And so I don't, it's hard to make that distinction. And I've always struggled with that on the other end, not to go into like, should we sponsor friends as a topic? <laughs> but uh, when friends ask me and it's like, part of me is like, oh, this is going to be tricky because I got to yeah. say shit that's uncomfortable as a sponsor. But the truth is, like, if I'm being a good friend, I'm going to say that shit anyway. Right. Uh, a good friend to me, at least, is the guy who's going to say that and not just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, cool, buddy. Like, I don't want to co-sign your way shit. that has your best interest at, you know. Right. But don't you think that there's things that you can say as a friend that you probably shouldn't say as a sponsor? Like what? Like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Hmm. I mean, I guess there's some circumstances as a sponsor you could say that. But in your case, where he was like giving you career advice. And just kind of shooting you down. I think a friend can do that because with a friend, you're always going to kind of take it with as a grain with a grain of salt. If your sponsor says that to you, and you're like, "Well, I should listen to my sponsor. My sponsor knows more than me." Like there just becomes more more stock mm. put in it. Well, and, and I think maybe the learning there is that as a friend or a sponsor, really, our goal should be to help people question things and never actually tell them what they need to do yeah, right like hey that's interesting what what makes you want to go that route and well let's look at some of the drawbacks and some of the positives and let's really think about that and take some time and sit with like you know what i mean it should always be about questioning instead of just uh no that's fucking dumb don't do it <laughs> yeah i try to really avoid advice as a sponsor as a sponsor right but as a friend i don't want to advise people as a friend yeah, yeah. depends on if you ask what i would do and i would <laughs> preface that by what i would do which is the same thing as i would say to a friend <laughs> or a sponsor you know yeah if it was me in that situation here's what i would do and here's why these are my values these are my morals this is why i would and hmm. you know, I don't know. You have to sort out what your values and morals are. I think I feel more beholden to those like boundaries as a sponsor. Like I'm much more aware of like what my role is and acting within that role as a sponsor than maybe as a friend. Like some of those boundaries and those walls maybe aren't as firm. I totally get that from you too. I, yeah. I get you as a friend being like, Yeah, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. Totally get that. And I don't even, I don't, in some of my relationships with guys that I quote unquote sponsor, I, all I am is a friend. I mean, mm. it's, I, I don't know that there's differences. Right. I, I mean, that's just me. The longer I stay clean, the more I'm just like, I don't know, dude, I'm here to help you in whatever way. You just need a fucking friend. Okay. I'm your friend. Yeah. Call me whatever you want. Yeah. But there's still <laughs> like, that obligation within that role to, to stick within some, some boundaries, right? 
I mean, this has turned into a very yeah. different so let's, conversation. Let's get back to the <laughs> yeah, job careers, thing, careers. right? Uh, well, I, and I think I was just sitting here thinking this is like relevant, I think, to anybody. We talk about right. the idea of really being about, you know, mental health and addiction and all that and recovery. But how many people do you talk to that are, you know, 34 and like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, right? Like, I think a lot of us feel lost and, and not guided into what really fills our spirit as we would say in recovery i don't know what the person out in the world would say like i just don't know what i want to do right like how do we come across that and so so maybe going back for the addiction piece and finding recovery some of the difficulties um and caroline kind of brought one of these up specifically the idea of felonies right like a lot of us have some kind of criminal record whether that be misdemeanors felonies and what kind of limitations that places on people in recovery finding not just any work but what they want to do like what if you wanted to be a bank teller or you wanted to work for the police or join the army i don't know if felonies keep you up from the military or not honestly but they keep you up from a lot of things so what do you do with that like how do you combat that idea well in a lot of jobs doing background checks i mean you you know they got 30 applications they're looking through and they just look through and oh record bump you go in the no pile right before they're even going to look <laughs> right right and and it's not like we can say oh well, you work hard and clean up your record well to get a felony off your record you're talking 7 to 10 years like that's and quite money. a bit of time and money exactly <laughs> and not cheap. and for a lot of felonies you're talking about looking at a pardon and then an expungement after the pardon. And I mean, I, I've looked into this for my own personal self. You're talking 15, 20 grand, right? And which is ultimately why I was like, eh, I could take some vacations. That <laughs> right. shit ain't worth it, honestly. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm relying on some people sitting around the governor that say, hey, you should really look at this governor. You might want to pardon this guy. Like, what? Why? Like, right. why don't we have some kind of established limit? Like, hey, you did this type of crime this many years went by and you've done no other crime, I guess that comes off your record. So you can like have paid your debt to society and be free again. That, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's a whole nother conversation too. It is. It is. I just had to throw it in there. I will <laughs> criminal say, reform. Yeah. <laughs> well, criminal I reform. think, and I, you know, I, I, when I got clean and came back to Maryland, I had four open warrants for my arrest, but my record is clean now. So mm-hmm. I can't really speak of this with, with super personal experience. Um, but I do know felonies is something I hear a lot of people sharing about as a reason why, you know, they can't find a good job or can't work, you know, period in some cases. Um, felonies, I just can't work. (laughs) But then (laughs) on the flip side of that, like I also personally know a lot of people that do have felonies and have rewarding careers and and certainly there are people that you know wanted to go into a very very strict uh career path that just it wasn't was impossible right like Mm -hmm. there are some things that i think nursing is one um there's certainly some career fields that do just kind of become completely out of scope if if you have you know a bad record but there's other things that are open. Um, my husband had felonies and, you know, before he passed, he had an amazing career and was making really good money and was really good at what he did. So um, he certainly could have used that as an excuse to say, oh, well, I can only, 
you know, do this or that. And I'm limited by my background or, um, you know, but what he did instead was was try to look and see, well, where can I start and where can I go within kind of what I'm working with? I want to know what women with felonies do, because I can tell you right now, men with felonies do construction like that's yeah. <laughs> that's where they go, because that's somewhere that accepts people with criminal records. So what what do women do? Like, you don't see a lot of women in construction. There's some, but. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I, one one woman in recovery comes to mind as someone who's openly shared about her struggles with her felonies and trying to get them expunged. And she owns her own cleaning business. Mm. Um, and I think she she I think she does well with that. Um, I actually know a few women that do cleaning businesses. Now I think they all have yeah. felonies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's what they do. You they just, start cleaning. Yeah, you just answered that question. Yeah, <laughs> they start cleaning businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Or you for know, cleaning businesses. It, there's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy going on there, right? Like any time that I tell myself I can't do something because, well, then I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Um, and Jason, I, I, you know, I think you're probably a better one to speak about this than I am because it, I, it does seem a little, um, you know, for me to say that without a felony is mm -hmm. all well and good, right? But like, my understanding is that your background was a little tough and held you back at times. And, and now you have a career that you love, right? Yeah. So to try to keep this version short, uh, <laughs> I was in a, I was in a construction job and you know, they accepted me. And then, uh, this guy I ran into that I knew told me I should try to apply for the plumbers and steam fitters union. And I was like, Oh man, I don't know. I got a background. Like it always made me nervous. And my plan was to never, you know, look, I had the felonies, but I also had a low sense of self, like mm -hmm. extremely low. So I didn't want to apply anywhere and get rejected already. And right. then to have these felonies and know that my chances of rejection were increased was only worse. Um, and so I, I stepped out on a limb. I was like, fuck it, I'll apply. We'll see what happens. Went through that whole process of testing, interviews, blah, blah, blah. And, and they sent me that acceptance letter like, hey, we're going to take you in. You're going to make this to start five years of schooling with us. And then you'll make this at the end. And it was a, it was a pretty good amount of money. And it was like, Oh my God. It felt, and I say this a lot, it felt, I look back at it now, like a lot of my relationships, right? I would kind of put out feelers to like 10 girls. And then when one showed interest, it was like, you were the one I knew I wanted, right? <laughs> like, like, oh, you'll accept me. You'll have me. Oh my God. That's so great. Right. And that's what I felt like. I was like, oh my God, thank God. Cause if this place didn't accept me, my life would have been like really low wages for the rest of my life. But this place did. And now I have an opportunity with felonies to make decent money. Yay. What I didn't realize till later on was there was no real interest in me doing that. <laughs> it was just all about the fact that they would take me and there was some decent money in there and I didn't have to be poor. Um, and once I kind of realized that like I'm not limited and this was through some pretty extensive therapy work, but it was like, you know, I can choose what the fuck I want and go after it. And even that was kind of anxiety inducing because the two colleges I went to when I went into my career field for social work, they both had to sit me down, interview me to accept me because of my fucking record. And then like advise me and tell me, Hey, look, we can't guarantee that you'll actually be able to get a license once you get this degree. Like we think you will seems like it but we're not sure because you do have this right and like imagine going to school and having a hundred thousand dollars in student fucking loan debt 
and you can't get a license uh, yeah. with what your degree is and like that's scary as fuck but i just i kept faith through the process right and and it did work out but it's still like one of those things that's like you don't it could definitely be intimidating and i could see why it would hold people up in their life and i don't know i mean I, i've now hold three different maryland licenses i have a plumbing license a hvac license and a social work license <laughs> so I, I guess it doesn't always hold you up and maybe we're getting more used to the idea of having people with backgrounds holding licenses for the state but so you do know i'm gonna start calling you when i have plumbing and hvac issues right <laughs> i will specify i hold licenses i don't actually know what the fuck i'm doing <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I were you know what did I did? Take a test? <laughs> I hung a big steel pipe in new fucking gigantic buildings and we welded it together. Like I don't know about your home toilet or not. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know nothing about none of that shit. Fair enough. Fair enough. What was your experience, Billy? Because I mean, you got some background. Like, what did? So I was. I mean, I think talking earlier about the felonies. What Carolina said about felonies and holding people back. Immediately, what I thought is pretty much exactly what you said. I think a lot of times that becomes an easy excuse when you have low mm. self-esteem and you fear rejection. Because yeah. I've thought about that for myself in other areas. Like I've, you know, at times thought, well, I should get a different job or I should look into a different career because mine isn't personally fulfilling. I'm good at my job, but it's not personally, like I don't feel like rewarded at the end of the day. I get no moral satisfaction out of it. Um and what holds me back in those cases is like, eh, I'm not going to be able to make as much money. I'm going to have to start somewhere low and work my way up. Now I'm in a position of authority. I don't want to do all that. You know, it's just a bunch of excuses to not do the fucking work because it might be uncomfortable for me mm. is what it boils down to. So when I hear that, you know, oh, I have felonies, that's what I hear. It's probably a little unfair to put that on everyone. That's probably not true. But for me, I can make excuses to not try, you know. But but anyway, I worked for a family business, so my career, I mean, my criminal record never really mattered much. And then after my family business went out, I went to work for someone I met in recovery. So it was someone that owned a business in recovery, and he said, hey, I know you need a job. Just come work for me. So my record has never held me back. I will say when we did our work camp and traveling around, I had a little bit of worry about mm. my record, but at that point it had been like 15 years later and no one ever brought it up. No one ever asked me about it. I mean, I figured if they brought it up, I would So just answer it. Maryland law, like we all say, oh, we have this law where companies can't look at your old offenses after so many years. And, and oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know we had a law like that. Well, it's probably useful that you didn't know because <laughs> it's a fucking useless law. Because yeah. if you actually look into it, the law says that companies can't take that into account. They still look it up. They still see it. And they can ask but you they on applications. can't take it into account if it's right. over a certain amount of years old. And which anyone is, can go nothing. on case search. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my whole history is out there. So <laughs> on a lot of applications, they will ask you, have you ever been convicted of a crime? What are the details? So like now the way I answer that most time, because I try to be honest, you know, and stuff. And even like for we've talked about this before, but like volunteering for Little League and stuff like that, yep. they'll ask you those questions. And yep. it's like, how, do, you, do I want to just say no and hope that they don't? Don't look or that it's so far but so usually i answer that by saying yes i got a couple of drug charges back when i was 19 years old it's been x amount of years since i've been in any trouble 
And I just answer it like that. Like, I don't get too much detail, but and I'm vague enough that it's... And it's the truth. I'm not lying if they ever wanted to dig in. And no one's ever really dug into the... De- or asked me to go into detail much right. more. And I think that's super informative, too, because along with the job aspect, like, I skipped out on the idea of coaching for any of my kids' teams for seven years because I was terrified that they would say, well, you got a background, you can't because it's right on there. And, and it says, if you have this background, you can't be on the field with them and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like even outside of the work environment, like that's life fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? I want to be a part of my kids' lives, help out the community, show up and volunteer to be a coach. They're always begging for coaches. Nobody wants to do this shit. And yet here I am and I won't step up, not because I don't have the ability or the time, but because I'm worried that I'm going to be singled out in the community. It's like, that's a fucked up thing, man. Right. Yeah. I would say my, my, so I, you know, as I mentioned, I don't have felonies and my record is expunged now. Squeaky queen. Yeah, (laughs) it is ironically. Um, but I guess my experiences went, so I mentioned that, you know, I went from working in a treatment center, which obviously I don't think they were super concerned about my background, um, Hell, yeah. they look for the record. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have a record. We can't right. hire her. She might not even uh, have been an addict. Right. But then I moved over no to nanny, which is certain. I mean, that is a that is a field yeah. where it the, felonies are like not even in consideration. Yeah, like you have anything on your background, and and parents are not going to want you around uh, their kids. Hell no. I mean, I even at one point um, applied for a job with people I knew in AA and when they found like they were talking to me until they found out it was me and even two people being in recovery themselves when they found out it was me in recovery communication Mm. stopped so even people in recovery don't want to hire people with that kind of background to take care of their kids Um, but I had a really successful career for eight years as a nanny and um you know, I did that by on, quite honestly, like <laughs> I can't picture you as a nanny. I'm sorry. Really? I'm, just, I'm picturing little British kids like nanny Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't work for any British families. Um, <laughs> Can we go to the park? <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of that, so I was I was babies and toddlers, okay. so no like full sentence, very rarely full sentences. But you know, I I I did have a really a really good run nanny and while I was in college um, and then even thereafter um, and and that was really because I built up a really strong reputation so I started working for a family I don't remember how I got in with my first family but but I got good references as a result of that and it kind of that kind of fed me through and I do remember at one point there was a family that I had interviewed with and they said something about a background check and like I just went I think I told them I found something else. Mm. So like I knew like that's that that's not going to go so well for me. So let me let me try over here. So did any of the husbands buy you cars or anything? <laughs> no, oh, one okay. family um <laughs> one family replaced my tires mm. for me because I was transporting was their, the- their oh, kid around. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, I was not I was not the nanny that like got taken to like. Cabo for a <sighs> month with the family or anything. You weren't like, it was nanny not, and the right people. I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Got a nanny dad. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc. 
a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. brought up case search a few minutes ago and it's interesting so i was in a session the other day and somebody was talking about somebody that was in their life and how they were looking them up and and how they use case search all the time and i'm not gonna lie i was sitting there like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> how long do you me? look me up right or, or have you already like what do you th- but i mean i don't know I, don't- I think a lot of normal people don't know about case search i think the knowledge of that system is much more prevalent in our community than like mm. at the broader level but there's certainly like normies who who know about case search right would you know do they have something similar in all states or is that just I a maryland imagine thing? but you know what i just heard the other day that that uh i think somebody and and look this is hearsay information so take that for what it is um but they said delaware is much more tight-lipped about that when i was asking because we were talking about the case search thing um well and part of that is i work in delaware and I haven't been able to find a case search. Type yeah, thing. I don't. I don't. So maybe every state doesn't. Maybe because we look for different reasons as well. We investigate people for different reasons. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's not necessarily. I think there's a problem with looking on case search. I, I don't like the idea, but you know, if you're going to use it, okay. But what are you doing once you find stuff out? Right? Is right. it? Oh, they have a record, so that's the end of it. Or can I look at this on a case by case basis and say? Well, you know, this is what happened. This is how long ago it was. Like, let me hear what they have to say and, and how they present themselves today. And maybe they're because, I mean, the whole idea is that we can become new people. And right? Yeah, so I think honesty, at least, you know, my, again, this is my experience. I think honesty is going to be the best policy if you're trying for a career. If you're just trying to get a job at, you know, somewhere to make some money, whatever. But like I had gotten a job for a, a this was back when I was young in retail selling cell phones for whatever and i worked there like three or four months and i don't know what took so long but all of a sudden they came back one day and they're like dude we have to fire you you know you put on your application you didn't have a record and we looked up your record and you have a record i heard that so many times early in recovery yeah so i had been working there a couple of months you know so i mean I didn't feel like that was a career choice, but if it was, like if that was a field I was trying to get into as a career and I feel like, yeah, I broke in, yeah, I was dishonest and they found out and so they aren't going to fucking keep you then. You hope that if you're honest, you might have a chance to explain yourself. Or I, I can't believe they had cell phones when you were young. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been crazy. 93 or 4. Yeah, yeah. that is crazy. I Early days of right? cell phones. They had yeah. those ones that like were in the car phones that were like that big like I remember, mm-hmm. my this wasn't there. This was those. still, of course, they didn't have smartphones, but you had. Uh, this was for Verizon. Flip um, phones. Yeah, yeah a lot of flip bag. phones. <laughs> they had a, a little book bag you had to carry stuff, with it. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't near as expensive as they are now. I'm picturing they like Vietnam military, books. like your yeah. buddy has to carry it on his back, <laughs> and you like call him over. <laughs> I need the radio guy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I think well, one of the things that's come up during this is the idea of. I keep hearing that we got jobs through people we knew. And I think that is a a resource that I don't want to overlook, right? Like even 
outside of recovery that has been my experience. It's very easy or helpful or useful to get jobs from people you know. And I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing at all times, right? Like, look around, especially if you're earlier on, or maybe even if you're not earlier on, look around your recovery community. Who's doing something you like? Like a couple of my jobs definitely came because of people that were close in my network of recovery friends. And it was like, right. oh, there's openings there. I'm coming. Yeah, right. for and sure. And if you're consistent and a person that's living by values and, and doing the right things, you know, people will take a risk on you or, mm-hmm. or put put their neck out for you, give you references and things like that. And to speak on that, I've always been like when I didn't like myself, I was always worried about how that looked like, oh, my God, if I if I want to get him in my job, I got to worry about how he performs because that affects how I look. Fuck all that. I'll say now. Yeah, sure. Hire him. Try him out. Like maybe not so much in my job now. I'll be honest. Like, well, this is what I know about him. Right. Do do what you want with that. But. I don't have to feel guilty about like I don't give a fuck if I ask for somebody to get hired and they don't do well like that's on them yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I've been responsible for getting a few people at my current company jobs and that was a case where when they came there and worked in the beginning they did real well cuz they were strong in their recovery and then over time like their recovery waned and you could tell they were go- and then they became bad employees and had to be fired and it's like ah, I Would can't you not do it again though. It would depend on the person. Huh. I mean, and it's the same thing. Now, again, I'm lucky, you know, my boss understands people in addiction. So, you know, I mean, what I've seen, at least for the most part, is that we had those people come in and do that. That's happened with probably 20 other people over mm-hmm. the years that I've been there for a myriad of different reasons. Divorce, you know, right. whatever. People that aren't even addicts. I mean, I think some of these employment issues are just common employment issues but no i w- i mean if we had a, somebody needed a job and we had an opening and thought they'd be good at it if they were in recovery i, I wouldn't necessarily automatically say this is a person we need because they're in recovery but i wouldn't disqualify them either yeah i've recommended you know i for example i have a really good friend who i have a ton of faith in and know she is a great person um, that I really went to bat for, for, for a couple of roles at my company, um, and felt really comfortable doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. I know her, she's a hard worker. She hears her, here's her cover letter. Like, I, I think she would be great. Um, whereas there's other people that I've been like, yeah, if there's anything you find, like, here's the website, (laughs) check it out. If there's anything you find, I'm sure I'm willing to recommend you. And in those cases, it would be much more of a, like, I don't know them well. They seem like a good, you know Mm. what I mean? Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make my recommendation based on what I do or don't know about someone. So I'm not going to go to bat and completely vouch for someone that I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And I had a weird situation one time at work. So the, the flip side of that. So I was at work. This person shows up at my job with this other person who I don't know and says, Hey, this is my boyfriend. He just moved down here from New Jersey. He does HVAC work and he's in recovery. Can't you get him a job here? Like at my job in front of like my coworkers and so shit. Like that's not this, something my you... coworkers necessarily know that I'm in recovery. It wasn't even a person I was overly close with. It was okay. just someone Peripheral. I knew from meetings. Like okay. we weren't fucking friends. You know what I mean? It wasn't someone that was even like in my phone list of contacts. You know what I mean? It was just someone who kind of knew, but they knew that I worked in recovery and, and what I did. I mean that I worked in HVAC 
and just was like, well, my boyfriend works in HVAC and he's in recovery, so you're supposed to give him a job. And they got mad at me because I was like, he can fill out an application, but we're not really hiring right now. I don't, <laughs> you know, that's not how this works. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. As soon as I get some time on my hands, I'm going to start calling Billy's work. Hey, is that Narcotics Anonymous guy there? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the, is he still yeah. working there? But that don't do that. Don't do that to people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Show I will up at their say job. though, I think that can be another that can be another excuse that people use is, oh well, I don't know anyone. Right. And so while tapping your resources, whatever they may be, you know, your personal connections is 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 a great option when you have it. There's certainly other ways to to get into a career path besides besides that well and the way that worked for me wasn't like i just went to meetings and shared honestly about where i was you know it's like hey i worked for my family's business most of my life i thought that's what i was going to be doing the rest of my life apparently that's not working out now i'm going to be unemployed i don't know what i'm going to do and that's all i said and then someone approached me who i didn't even necessarily i mean i probably knew he had a business or whatever but i you know wasn't like i'm I wasn't like fishing for a job. I was right. just being honest about where I was. Well, and I think we, that's an important point because like, and, and this all depends. Are we searching for a career or are we searching for a job just in the immediate, I'm in recovery and I need some work and some money and to get back into, you know, societal living. But yeah, just share, right? Hey, I, there there is no work. I'm looking for some kind of work, right? I see so many posts on Facebook regularly because maybe all these guys with felonies have their own construction companies now right, right. And, and they're always like man i need some day labor i need this kind of help does anybody have these kind of skills like there's people looking for people all the time and we are a wealthy community of of networking that we have you know just by association with it and so i think that's useful it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find your dream job that way you might but it's something to get started but right and and you can right so mm -hmm. like even that day labor job that might feel below you if you go into that circumstance and 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 show your best self and you're working mm -hmm. hard and you're willing to do whatever it takes um that very often i think you know that was my my experience, not day labor, <laughs> my experience. Um, so, so my, my undergrad degree, um, which I was nannying while I got was in psychology. And, um, when I graduated with that degree and I realized that, you know, going on to get my, my master's and my doctorate was probably not, not your calling. Well, not that. No, it, it was really more um, the financial aspects of continuing to be in school for another seven years. Mm. Um, what I didn't have at that point that I did down the road have was was humility, because everyone had told me at that point that I should take a take an in, I should get an internship. Mm. And a lot of times at that point, internships were low paid or unpaid. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I just went to school for it was it was five years, but. Um, <laughs> Should have been four. I just went to school for all this time. I shouldn't have to go take a job where I'm not being paid. And I didn't have the humility. And so I just kept nannying. And, um, you know, nannying was, was great pay at 20. It was not as great pay as I was starting to approach 30. Um, and so I decided to go back to school. And what I did different this time was um, have the willingness to to take an internship and and lo and behold i ended up getting an internship where i work now in 
a field that wasn't like, so I took an internship in business development, knowing 100% without a doubt that I did not want to go into business development. That was not my objective. But this was a company that was willing to give me a, a quote unquote real job. Mm -hmm. Um, There was pay. Um, and, uh, it was a company that I was seeing a track record that they had employees that had been there 15, 20 years and that people were, were able to move around. And so I took that, uh, internship as kind of just a, a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. not a, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, and within two months I had found an opening within the company for, you know, a quote unquote, like full-time job, um, Again, in a field that I was much more open to, but not something I'd ever planned on going into. And that has led me to where I am today. Um, and and certainly, so my undergrad degree is in psychology. Um, I'm more than halfway through a graduate degree in IT, which I found out I hate while <laughs> going to school for it. Yeah. And now I'm back uh, in grad school trying to redirect that in a, in a different way. But I work um, kind of in sales enablement now. And I never in a million years, 10 years ago, would have told you that that's where I wanted to be. But I love my job. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's my calling, but I think my calling if I have a calling, my calling is to have a job that I love mm. because that affects my happiness on such a broad scale, right? Because I'm spending 40, 50 hours a week doing this. It's a huge part of my life. And if I don't love the job that I have, it's going to impact my 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 happiness across the board. And not to get, I guess that's in line with the topic of like, how do we find our job? One of the things I find interesting, and this was kind of my life perspective for a long time, and it makes sense that because I haven't followed that perspective that I would have a different opinion now and so I don't want anybody to think that like I think I have the right opinion and there's a wrong one um, that you two have Uh, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying here but I I do find that a lot of us fall into this idea of like we get somewhere and then like when I got a job I stopped looking for jobs right right I, I like why well, look i have one there's no point point. And, and even when that wasn't the job i wanted it was almost like i almost waited till it was like way too late in the game of me completely and utterly hating my job to even think about the uh, idea of looking for something else and then you know olden days where i come from this was a little tougher because you had to look for jobs on your days off you, you had to go like place to place and put in applications you couldn't like surf the internet at in the evenings when you were off um but I'm fascinated by this idea at this point with my change of my life of people that kind of fall into somewhere and then just stay. And I'm like, are you really happy there? Did you really? That that to me feels like soulmate kind of shit. I'm like, did you really? Like, oh my God, the, the heavens just placed you right where you were supposed to be from the get-go. Who knew, right? Like that seems so baffling to me. And I'm like, are the, and, and you say you're happy and, and Billy sounds pretty happy too. And that's that's great. But I'm like- I can't imagine at least the jobs I was at. I can't imagine being happy at any of them for a long, super long period of time. And I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed kind of at this idea of, well, I'm here and okay, there's a little chance for moving up the ladder and progressing. So that's good enough for me versus like, what is it that I really want to do with my life and how do I want to impact the world or, or, maybe even a different perspective of what tools and gifts do I feel like I have that I'm just naturally maybe better at other people then and and where could they be useful in the world? 
And so, I think I'm I'm the the second, right? Like I don't think just based on the the jobs that are available in the US at least if you look at them and you divide them out by like ones that actually bring substantial value to society, the the do-gooder jobs, right? That is a small fraction of like the amount of jobs that need to get done. So I work in corporate America. It is not I'm my job is not do-gooder, right? Like it's not. Um, but I can I can look at the good that I do for the people that I'm working with on a day-to-day basis and get that do-gooder feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I have employees that I certainly hope that I'm helping and helping them to develop their career and develop uh, their skill sets. And then I have internal clients within our business that I hope I'm making their lives easier, right? Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't work in a nonprofit. I'm not feeding the hungry. I'm not... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and when I say I didn't mean it to come across like you had to be in a, a quote unquote do gooder job, like I just mean like what are my talents? Like maybe your talent is is incredibly inventing video games that make people happy, right? right. Like it's not about right. so much do gooder. I wasn't coming from that aspect, but just well, I think what it's do great to be able doing? to do that. Like my sister works in um, kind of the nonprofit sector, and like for her, that is a really strong conviction. Like she's not going, she's not willing to go outside of that right now, you know, or, and maybe not ever. Um, And it's awesome to be able to have that drive. But I think there's value to to your point, there's value to be derived, even if you're not in kind of one of more those traditional, like helping fields. Right. Um, For me, what I found is, I, I think the second way you framed it is like, what are your skills? And how can they be applied? Your talents that maybe other people don't have. And like, even though I didn't go to school for what I'm doing, like my 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 degree in psychology really built my my writing abilities, and I have a strong, um, I love creativity. I love anything that, and so like my job really really plays well to to my writing abilities, and and allows me to be very creative. Um, and so, but but that I think that's the point, right? Like, there's a million jobs out here, and like I didn't even know that this was like a job. When I was in college, I wasn't like, oh, there's someone who like leads these proposal responses and helps the sales team to be more effective. Like I didn't know that was a job. I did fall into it and I worked really hard. I think that's the other piece. But I do love my job. I don't know if I'm I'm kind of like you look really baffled. No, no, no. I'm just I'm sitting here picturing, right? And and, and it's I feel like I'm not giving Billy a chance Sorry. to even talk on that. But it's kind of a follow up to to what you're saying is like so both of you are kind of in these management level positions and, and you do feel really useful and you feel like you're good to your employees and can help the business and, and, and super useful people and great at what you're doing. And and I still I guess there's that question of well, but what if there was a little shift in that that could even provide more fulfillment, right? Like maybe Billy is incredible and helps the people he manages, but maybe if he managed somewhere that was, I don't know, uh, helping peers better, you know, help people in the addiction community find recovery. Maybe that would like take what he feels good about now and even still add a little more flavor of what he likes. It's kind of like when you get a really good tasting meal, but you're like, oh, just a little bit of salt on this, a really fucking 
kill it, right? And, and for you, you're like creative writing and these kind of things. And I'm like, well, well, maybe she needs to like, uh, you know, maybe it's writing, maybe it's writing books, maybe it's being a fucking author, maybe it's, you know, some other management type that is still helping people, but even more like just adds that extra. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, and I'm not saying it has to be right. I think a lot of us can live fulfilled lives, but there is that question of like, but what if you were open to another position that has all the things yours does, but also has this other flavor that somehow, you know, hits your, your taste buds really well for what you want. Well, I think there's a difference between being open to and constantly looking for the next thing. Mm. So this is a little bit of like what kind of broached that this conversation. When I was here the last time, I think I was talking to you guys about, um, you know, someone at my company who's a little further along in their career asking me what's next. And um, me feeling really bad that I didn't have the answer to that, right? So I got promoted into my current role in like March, April of this year. It's Mm -hmm. been like six months. And so I started to feel a little down on myself that I didn't have the like, what is my next role? Where am I going from here? But on the flip side, like I feel like there's a lot of value into like finding happiness where you are and not always needing Mm -hmm. to like as soon as I achieve one goal now, now the next one needs to be, you know, because that constant, like never being satisfied with where I am is not for me, not super great for my mental health. So like, while there might be a role out there that would, would make me even happier and bring me even more joy and make me feel more fulfilled. Um, that thought that there might be something better out there is not a good thought for me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I would similar, I mean, kind of piggyback off that idea, but for me, it goes back to like the old attic thing. It's like we seek satisfaction, you know, for outside things to satisfy that inner knowing. And it's like, I, my personal, you know, spirituality and fulfillment and satisfaction, I, aren't necessarily dictated by the world and all these outside circumstances. Like I seek things and do things for my personal recovery and, and maybe it's stuff that I do with my kids or my family. Like for me, I've found what things I do that are in alignment with my values, you know, and the job is my job. Like that's where I go because I've had some different jobs and what I've personally, my opinion, experience, whatever with jobs is that, they all have good and bad and equally, you know, things you got to weigh out. You know, we did the work camping thing and traveled around and worked at these campgrounds and all that. It's great. I loved it. I was outside all the time doing groundskeeping and maintenance. My one buddy is called beautification. You know, you're doing all this beautifying things and make things look pretty and building shit. It's fun. It's great. Money was terrible. You know what I mean? Money was terrible. So I'm doing this work that I really liked. In the meantime, I'm fucking home stressing and my anxiety's at 11 because we're trying to figure out financial stuff, you know. So there's a balance. And it's not that I can't necessarily do both, but like my job that I have now affords a certain level of comfortableness. That's not even a word, but, you know, there's a level of comfort that I get from being there. Um, There's a level of I go to work, I do my job, I'm confident in it. You know, security to some degree. I think the pandemic was interesting with security stuff. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a balance there. And like when I left, 
um, I had one opinion. And when I came back to work there, I had a different opinion of like, no, I'm coming back here by choice of free will that this is what I want to do. I didn't I knew I wasn't trapped there because I had left. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I knew I had other options out there because I fucking just did other stuff. I treated so, my marriage like that. It worked well. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went back, it was a full free choice of like, no, this is a conscious decision on what I want to do. And this is where I want to be. I've looked at the, the you know, values that I have compared to the values that this job is offering. And that's what I want to do. And so my fulfillment doesn't come from my job. It comes from other things. You know, for me, it's a lot of involvement in recovery and stuff like this, doing the podcast, you know, things like that. I feel like we'll all agree to that. But then we'll see the guy who's got 20 years clean, who's still living in a recovery house, who's on his 18th fast food job, working the drive through window at McDonald's. And we'll be like, oh, well, why doesn't he aspire to be more? I well, it's like, think well, that all, at all. <laughs> really? Oh, man, that's yeah. definitely. I mean, if that's what opinion. you want to do with your life. You know, it's a short fucking the re- living in the life. recovery house part is the part that gets me. I'm like, you have to, like, you're settling. You're settling. If you're living in a Why recovery, is that contentment any different than anywhere else? Like, what if you don't have a family and that's yeah, not what you want? You want to live you alone? Like, why wouldn't you just want to run a room? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's so much chaos in living in a recovery house. How <laughs> I mean, is that anyone's like? favorite place to be and you are training people to be fucking adult hopefully men you know teaching them how to live I teaching guess, them a skill set yes so it could be beautiful we're getting a little late in the time factor here but just another idea that goes along kind of with these felonies that i think a lot of us face is that we come in with these large work history gaps on our resumes or applications right how do you explain that or why do you have to explain that or like and maybe the pandemic actually softens some of that right there might be a whole lot of work history (laughs) gaps for a lot of fucking people but that's another limitation that's gonna hinder us right or you have people and i think this is changing slowly but people who have opinions of people who've been in addiction at some point in time or another so is that when you say oh well i was an alcoholic instead of an i was an addict right like because you want to soften it and and have more social acceptability so we do come in with these walls right these things in our way that we either have to knock down or go around like there's there's borders for us that i feel like the average joe doesn't have right beyond just figuring out where we want to be and i think with the employment gaps i will say i think that's where baby steps help right like i'm in a career now with 16 years clean that is a career and pays my bills but 16 years ago i wasn't in a career Mm -hmm. 16 years ago i was working at kfc or like you know what i mean like i started with those jobs that like didn't care about any of that stuff. Did they have the chicken bowls then? I love the chicken I don't bowls. Think so the biscuits <laughs> were my nemesis. Really? Though. Oh Sadness my! Because I would eat like when they come right out of the oven. Oh, uh, they're warm. Have you heard I, Patton Oswalt talk about the sadness bowls? No. He's a comedian. You should listen. I like the Popeyes the KFC biscuits though. bowls. <laughs> anyway, even though they're dry. But I started so there, and I got some of those jobs to build the work history. They didn't have a whole lot of requirements on me, but they let me build some work history while I did some other stuff. Like for me, going back to school was was really key Um, because that's another way to explain work history. Right. As well. I was in college. I, you know, Um, I use that one. Yeah. Seven years off of (laughs) work. I worked under the table shit. But yeah, I I, sure in recovery. I was like. Nope, seven years, no work history. I'm good with it. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I mean, the pandemic only goes so far. I'm in the process of hiring right now for an entry-level role. 
And I, there's red flags for me if I see someone who hasn't been working for a year and a half, wow. especially if their last role ended in 2019. I'm like, well, what have you been doing? They were preparing for the pandemic. Or they knew it was right. coming. <laughs> right, 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 right. They saw it coming before all of us. But also, I mean, if someone's, you know, if someone has a, a gap in their employment and I'm like, well, why haven't you been working for a year? If they're honest, I've been searching. I haven't been able to find anything. Because I didn't want to. Don't say that. Really? Yeah. Why? Don't. If you have the ability and you don't want to work, why the fuck would anybody want you to? To me, that screams like I'm not driven. I'm not a hard worker. Ooh. Yeah. yeah now you're opening a whole other can of worms. Duh. Like, why the fuck do I have to be driven for society's money? Fuck um, that Well, shit. you don't, but you need to be driven to have a job working for me. You need to be driven so that companies know you're going to be a good employee. For yeah. Them. Mm-hmm. That's fucking stupid. Why? Why would that be stupid? So so I'm hiring an entry level role, right? And I would gladly take someone like just out of college um, with no work experience, honestly. What matters to me for this person is that they're personable. They have good communication skills. They can write and they have, they're driven. They want to work. I, w- I need someone who wants to work, who wants to learn, who wants to work hard. That's this is really why we're all poor. All I need. <laughs> we got to keep everybody poor so they're driven to work. Yeah, I mean, I don't Fuck care if, if people are like not. I mean, no, I'm driven to work. I'm not poor. Because you work. But I'm driven still. Right. But like if we didn't need money, if everything you needed was delivered on the first of the month by the fucking delivery fairies or whatever, they're like, here's your food for the month. Here's you know you got a place to live you're good to go i don't want to fucking work no me neither right so we all got to be kept poor and in need of shit in order to be driven to do whatever these companies slave us and tell us to do fuck all that no i'm also inherently (laughs) driven because if i okay so if i was in a situation where i didn't need to like i i don't think there's any fairies that are going to deliver everything but if i came from wealth right if my family had tons of wealth and i was just independently wealthy I would be driven to do other things. I probably would not work at my current job. I probably would want to do something, probably, you know, rescuing animals or like that's probably what I would focus on. But I would still have drive within within those efforts. And I think my take on this whole how to find your job in recovery idea is what the fuck would you do if you didn't have to have money in life? Because that's probably what you really want to do and will bring you the most satisfaction. Like if all your shit was taken care of, if you were just wealthy for no good reason, whatever, where would you invest your time? Because I agree. I think we would all do something, right? Maybe I'd golf every fucking day. Maybe I need to go be a golf instructor or something. Maybe I would help animals. Maybe I would just go volunteer at the homeless shelter. Whatever the fuck it is I would do if I didn't have to do anything for money, I truly think that's what the fuck we want to do. But that's not always feasible. And money does help happiness to a certain degree. Not being able to meet your basic needs and wants has a massive toll on happiness. Well, and that's where you get into the discussion of figuring out what is my really, my basic needs. Is it renting a recovery house room and just being chill or or renting a room in some old person's basement where nothing ever happens and I'm happy and I don't need a whole lot of shit? Or is it that I do, I I need a Xbox and Wi-Fi to play my online games because that's what my happiness is. And and so I, that's an interesting question. So for the sake of time, and I'm guessing we'll have a part two to this since we definitely didn't get into a whole lot of it. Let's have like a final recap of 
where, where do you start? Like, what's the first important parts? Like, give us a couple of uh, things about the first important parts of how to start even thinking about work in recovery. Uh, if you're new, I would say just try to be honest about your situation rather than lie and manipulate your way into a job. The other thing is just look at the opportunities that you have. My advice would be if you look at the opportunities that you have, pick the one that you think is going to be the best for now. Maybe it's not your career chosen whatever, but you know, as Caroline mentioned, sometimes just getting in a job and having a job for a consistent period of time, showing some consistency one, it looks good, and two, you may be able to get some references from that employer, you know, whether it's to go back to school or do some other things. In a small rural community like this, like having a, a personal reference from a business, you know, leader in this community carries some fucking weight. So, mm. you know, maybe you only go work for the restaurant and wash dishes for three years. But, you know, you get the owner of the restaurant says, hey, was a great employee, showed up every day, was honest, dependable, hard worker. I think, you know, he'd really do well at, at some new opportunities. That shit matters. Yeah. That matters to employers. In a small community where everybody knows everybody, that right. definitely matters. <laughs> what do you got, Caroline? Um, yeah, willingness and, and baby steps, right? The, you're not. More than likely, you're not going to find your dream job day one. It takes it takes a couple of jobs before that to get there. But, you know, having the willingness to do things that maybe aren't exactly what you want to be doing at that very moment. Um, and then also kind of keeping your eyes and ears open for, for other opportunities and, and being willing to, no matter what you're doing, uh, work hard and show that you want to be there and you you, you want to succeed, I think, goes a long way. Uh, employers are always looking for people who are willing to go above and beyond. Yeah, I, I definitely like all of that. I, I think, you know, being honest from the get-go is hugely important. Let's, uh, let's just start where I am and, and work to where I'm not. I think taking different jobs is fine, right? Sometimes we have to know what we aren't before we can know what we are. So just go have those experiences. Oh, shit, I worked construction for six months. This fucking sucks. I don't ever <laughs> right. want to do this again, right? Let me go somewhere else. Um, and, and dream big rejection is God's protection, man. I, I don't know if I really believe that all the time, but go into it with that attitude. If they fucking reject me, it's because I'm being saved from some miserable fucking work career that I would have had if I was here. Tell somebody up front, Hey, I'm applying for this job. I'm scared. I won't get it. I might need to cry on your shoulder when I don't get it. Right. Okay. Then we'll cry on our shoulders and we'll be all right. And we'll try to apply for the next one, but don't, don't be held back by this work history gaps or felonies or anything else, man. Go for what the fuck you want. Yeah, and I heard an interesting saying recently, so I'm going to use it to kind of close out. It's a guy said, uh, when one door closes, another one opens, but sometimes the hallway is really fucking narrow. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. So start, get a job, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more advice for you in the <laughs> next month about what to do once you're at that job. Take it easy. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>